Um, I'm your friend. Now deal with it. I love it. Friends listen to each other. Friends care for each other, understand each other, believe each other. Friends stand up for each other. Friends spend time with one another. Friends talk to each other, forgive each other. Friends are honest. Friends care about the things that the other person cares about. Friends have fun together. They don't let things come between them. Friends protect one another. They think the best about one another. Friends respect and appreciate and they're faithful to one another. It is good to have a friend. And you know why it's good? It's because friendship is God's idea. We know that our God has a vision. We know that he has a dream, that he has a picture of what our life together is going to look like one day, and that picture is one of friendship. You see, when we read this story of the Bible and understand that it's one big connected story, we read that this God who created everything actually wants to be in relationship with his creation. He actually wants to be together with his people. And as we read this story, as we go, the relationship seems to change. What starts off as what, what seems to be something of a, uh, a servant-master arrangement, a, a king and subject relationship in the Old Testament, then in the New Testament it, it becomes clear that in Jesus that all have been adopted as children, as children of God, as Jesus' own brothers and sisters, should we believe it. And then... As people who, who share the same spirit, uh, people who have, who have the spirit of God within us, we find incredibly that we are called his friends. Friendship seems to be the kind of relationship that God wants to have with us. And it's the kind of relationship that God wants us to have with one another as well. And we don't, we don't lose our status as servants. Jesus uh, took that, that status upon himself. He was a servant. It's good to be a servant. It is appropriate to serve God. We don't lose our status as children. We are siblings with Christ. We are co-heirs with him in the kingdom of God. Rather, over these, we add the status of friend. And it's a completely outrageous idea because by definition, friendship is a relationship between equals, a relationship without hierarchy. Just let that sink in for a moment. Friends are equals who mutually prefer one another. Friends are equals who do all the kinds of things that we just watched in the video. Friends are equals who both put the other person first. And I think that this is the, at, at the very heart of friendship. Real friends put the other person first. That is the cost of friendship. 
And when this is mutual, when, when both are willing to pay the price of friendship, both giving and receiving honour and trust and care, both putting themselves aside for the sake of the other, this is what the Bible calls love, brotherly love, agape, self-giving, self-emptying love. Jesus himself says this in, in John 15. He says, my commandment to you is this, love others as I have loved you. There's no greater way to love than to give your life for your friends. You celebrate our friendship if you obey this command. I don't call you servants any longer. Servants don't know what the master is doing, but I've told you everything the father has said to me. I call you friends. You did not choose me. I chose you. I said, you're my friend. Now deal with it. I orchestrated all of this so that you would be sent out and bear great and perpetual fruit. In other words, that you would go and that you would make more and more friends of God. And as you do this, anything you ask, the Father in my name will be done. This is my command to you. Love one another. So God has chosen you. And he has chosen me to be his friends, to be his forever and always friends. This is what he wants. It's his dream. And because it's his dream, all of creation is headed toward friendship with God. That is our shared destiny. And when the Bible writers have spoken about this this ultimate way of relating, this, this society of spiritual friends, they've used words like peace. Shalom, words like justice and righteousness, words like salvation, words like reconciliation. And the Father's desire is that this this reconciliation, this, this relationships made right, that this would take place on four levels so that we might all experience friendship with God that we would experience friendship with ourselves, friendship with one another, and friendship with all of creation. And the ultimate example of this friendship, of course, is Jesus himself. And Jesus has shown us that true friendship on all of these levels requires that we give our life for our friends. Now, we probably all have a handful of people in our lives that if push came to shove, that we wouldn't hesitate to give our lives for. And Jesus calls this love. He says there is no greater way to love. And in Jesus' case, he gave his life, he gave his divine life to secure this eternal friendship with you, with me, with everyone And indeed, his self-giving love reconciled all of creation, the entire universe, to God. When we say he gave his life, we don't just mean his, his sacrificial death on the cross, although, of course, that is the climax. But it's not just thus that one act. Jesus gave his whole life. He's living, breathing, walking around 
life. His energy, his time, his attention, his ambition, his comfort, his status, his power, put aside for the sake of friendship with you and me and all of creation. This is what it means to give your life. Paul writes in Romans 12 that it is to prefer others above ourselves. In Philippians 2, he says it is to esteem others as better than ourselves. It is to submit to one another. Peter also writes. This generous, this this self-giving, this self-emptying is how Jesus has loved us. And indeed, it is how the Father loves the Son and it is how the the Son loves the Spirit and it is how the Spirit loves the Father. It is the eternal pattern of love. It is the internal dynamic of the Trinity and therefore it is the basis and it is the model of all relationship. If we are in the Son, then we are in the eternal friendship of the Trinity. And because it is inherent to God himself, because it is the ultimate order, he is making this kind of friendship normal between everyone. That's his plan. That's our destiny. That's the big secret that we read about in, right back in Ephesians chapter 1. Jesus has chosen us to be this kind of lay your life down friends with him and therefore he wants us to be this kind of friends with one another as well. And not just some others, but all others from every tongue and tribe and nation, from every town, from every culture, rich and poor, powerful and powerless, young, old, male, female, gay, straight, white, black, brown, yellow, allies, enemies and everyone in between. Because his eternal vision is that we all would be lay your life down friends, that ultimate reality must guide us in some practical way right now. Love others as I have loved you. There is no fine print here. Do not let any other article of your faith get in the way of this commandment. If you listened to Jed Clark last week, you would have heard what this looks like in action. Love one another. As Andrew said, today is the start of NADOC week. NADOC week actually began in the church right back in the 1930s. The founder of NADOC week, William Cooper, he was a devout Christian man, an Indigenous man, and he asked Australian churches to start praying for Aboriginal people on what was originally called Aborigines Sunday. NADOC week is one week per year. It's set aside for all Australians to celebrate the, the history and the culture and the achievements of, of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. And this year's theme, this year's theme is Heal Country. The idea is that all Australians would unite to see better protection for our land, better protection for our waterways and for our sacred sites and and what our Aboriginal brothers and sisters have continued to understand and probably better than most of us is that country is much more than geography. 
The land is an integral and a connected part of the created order of things. Our First Nations brothers and sisters talk about country in the same way that we speak about people. They still understand the land in in spiritual and physical and emotional and social ways that most of us have forgotten. And so I think it's interesting that our Coast Community focus for this year is to find common ground with everyone. Find common ground that we might do all we can to save some, to save some into right relationship, to save some into friendship with God, friendship with one another, friendship with creation. The writer of Second Chronicles prophesied and wrote, If my people who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my face, follow my commandments, some translations say, and turn from their wicked ways, turn from their self-interest, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. I will restore their land to health. If we humble ourselves, if we lay aside our preoccupation with ourselves, if we seek the things of God, if we obey his commands, if we point ourselves in the direction of his vision of life together, he will heal our land. And this land that we share, this this common ground, It needs healing. In 1770, when James Cook landed in Botany Bay on the other side of the bay from Sydney Airport, he claimed the land for England as terra nullius, as uninhabited land. No treaty was made, no war was declared. The continent was simply declared to be uninhabited. And meanwhile, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people had inhabited this place for between 40 and 65,000 years. It is one of the oldest continuing cultures in human history. And then in 1788, 1,500 convicts and soldiers and families brought with them disease and dispossession and violence. And between 1788 and 1900, the Indigenous population of this country fell by nearly 90%. In 1901, the six self-governing English colonies, they united as the Commonwealth of Australia and the policy of extermination shifted to one of assimilation. 1910 saw the start of the stolen generations, children taken from their families by state and federal governments, and that was a practice that continued right into the 1970s. Estimates are from somewhere between one in 10 to one in three Indigenous children forcibly removed from their families in that time. On the 27th of May, 1967, the referendum was passed to amend the Constitution of Australia to include Aboriginal people in the national census counted as humans for the first time. 
On the 3rd of June 1992, the Mabo Judgment was handed down and it, it acknowledged native title for the first time, yet no treaties were ever signed. And so the scars of the past and, and these open wounds of the present, they continue to disfigure our nation. Indigenous people die eight to nine years younger than non-Indigenous people. They die from avoidable causes at three times the rate of non-Indigenous people. Infant mortality is double that of non-Indigenous people. School attendance is 10% lower on average, increasing to 17% lower by year 10. In 2018, Indigenous employment was 40, 49% compared to the national average of 75% employment. Despite comprising around 2% of Australia's population, Indigenous children make up more than half of all of those in juvenile detention. And Indigenous adults are 17 times more likely to be incarcerated than non-Indigenous adults. And so, yes, there is a political problem. Yes, there is an economic problem. Yes, there is a, a, a social problem. Yes, there is a cultural problem and there is a spiritual problem. And all of this is incredibly overwhelming and it's confusing. But at the heart of this, there is a relationship problem. There's a friendship problem. And I'm not Indigenous. I cannot pretend to understand and I do not want to portray something as trite or as simplistic when it is not. But on a macro scale, there is common ground in our narratives. If we as Christ followers are children of Israel through adoption then dispossession and nationlessness, being colonised and subjugated and misunderstood and vilified and excluded, it's part of our story too. It's part of our identity too. We too understand that we are people of the earth formed from the dust of the ground. That's what Adam, Adam means. We too are commissioned to be guardians and custodians and stewards of creation. We have common ground that transcends this piece of dirt. And our faith in Christ, our core belief in, in this destiny of right relationship, prepared in advance for all of us to share, it demands that this chasm in our nation be addressed. And isn't it interesting that the word that has been chosen as the necessary mode of healing in this country is reconciliation. Reconciliation is not compromise. Reconciliation is refusing to be agents of estrangement. It is refusing to give energy to disintegration. Reconciliation is choosing not to be passive. It is choosing not to be ignorant in the face of systemic disadvantage. Reconciliation is choosing not to be complacent, not to be uninformed, not to be separate. It is choosing not to be silent. Do no harm is not reconciliation. To reconcile is to lean into friendship. It is to give our energy 
to the forging of relationships one by one, friendships that lead to flourishing through inclusion. And Christ has shown us the way. Of course, he is the way. The common ground of our friendship, the eternal ground of friendship, is Christ himself. And so perhaps more than anyone else, the healing of this land is dependent upon followers of Jesus because it is only in Christ that all things are reconciled, that all things are gathered. Friendship in Christ is the only thing that will ultimately endure. And we, you and I, we are the commissioned messengers of that ultimate reality and that must mean something in a nation so fractured. We are the ministers of reconciliation. We are the agents of friendship in Christ. Listen to Paul as we close. Paul was writing within a context of of fractures between people groups as well. Listen to this. Our firm decision is to work from this focused centre. One man died for everyone. That puts everyone in the same boat. He included everyone in his death so that everyone could be included in his life, a resurrection life a far better life than people ever lived on their own. Because of this decision, we don't evaluate people by what they have or how they look. We looked at the Messiah that way once and got it wrong, as you know. We certainly don't look at him that way anymore. Now we look inside and what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start, is created new. The old life is gone and new life burgeons. Look at it. All of this comes from the God who settled the relationship between us and him and then called us to settle our relationships with each other. God put the world square with himself through the Messiah, giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sins. God has given us the task of telling everyone what he is doing. We are Christ's representatives. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. We're speaking for Christ himself now. Become friends with God. He is already a friend with you. Let me pray. Father God, in the power of your spirit and in the name of your son, we commit this nation to you. It is yours. And you see it. You see the brokenness. You see the fractures. And your heart aches. And Lord, we ask that you would place that ache within our heart as well. The ache for friendship the ache for reconciliation. 
Lord, help us not to be passive bystanders in the midst of brokenness, but, but energise us with your spirit. Energise us with lay your life down love, your love, the love with which you first loved us, so that we would carry that message of reconciliation in a nation where injustice and separateness marks a whole family of people, your people, your children. Grant that we might come together that we might come together as friends. And yes, we know that there are all of these economic and social and political things that, that are happening and, and, and need to happen as well, but we know it's not sufficient. We know that it is only in you that all things are reconciled. Help us, Lord, to be agents of reconciliation, ones that seek out common ground that we might do all we can to save some. We pray this in your perfect name, Lord Jesus. Amen.